Welcome to the Event Hustler Show. I'm Liz King Caruso, and I can't wait to dive into some of the hottest event industry topics in this resource for planners by planners. Let's jump in. Hello, my event friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Event Hustler Show. Today, we get to talk about a really exciting topic, event experience. I see this in the industry all over. I mean, experience is certainly not a new word, uh, but I've seen a huge shift from 2020, 2021. Everyone was talking about engagement, 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 which I found later from practical experience, people mostly meant how do we use polls and Q&A in a virtual event, but we're back to at least bringing some components of in-person back. And I'm definitely seeing a shift in that word to experience. How are we giving people an experience regardless of the platform that we're using to bring them together, whether that's in-person, virtual or hybrid. And I wanted to tap into the brain of uh, someone I've met recently and I've kind of been watching on social media for a long time. Uh, Phil Mershon from Social Media Examiner, his official title I believe is the Director of Experience. So. I don't think we can get any more specific than that for this topic. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining me today. Liz, it's great to be on this uh, call with you, and I look forward to this conversation. I know you are in the heat of Kansas right now. Uh, we're experiencing similar weather. It's the hot doldrums of summer, <laughs> um, but it's a great time from a planning perspective to be thinking about all the events we all have coming up. Is this for you a fairly like a slower time or are you just as busy this time of year? Well, it's a definitely a more reflective time. We're mm, three yeah. months, um, like just under three months from our next event. And then our big events about nine months away. So, but we're moving from reflection to action very shortly. Like mm. our ops team, logistics team would like me to be out of the dr dreaming stage. <laughs> um, and I will be very shortly. Uh, we're trying to get nailed in on a few things that we're even going to talk about, I think, here on this call. So, yeah, it's it's not like heated. We're not putting in 80 hour weeks or anything like that, but it's um, there's definitely a push to get things done. Um, so I'm feeling that. Yeah. And this reflective time is so important. I talked to some planners who are just like nonstop busy. They're just, they never get a break. But I, I also experienced during the summer, a little bit of like, we have things coming up. There's certainly tasks to be done, but a little more slower of pace, which I think is so critical for our industry, which is a very creative industry. We have to have time to think about how we want to innovate, especially with things in the market changing so quickly. And uh, a little teaser. I do believe you are working on a book as well. Is this true? I am. I am. I'm <laughs> um, working on my second draft of it right now. Should be done in about a week and a half. And then the editor gets to start shedding and telling me what's good and bad. And then hopefully it'll be off to the publisher. And I don't know how long that'll take, but within six weeks, I'm hoping. Congratulations. Quite a feat to write a book. Yeah, it's exciting to see it coming together to actually see a table of contents that's not shifting as much as it has over the last three years. So sure. like, okay, it's this is going to happen. And this is on experience, correct? On on different experiences, creating. Yeah, it's creating unforgettable, memorable experiences. It's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So I guess the events industry is certainly not the only ones who are obsessed with this idea right now. Tell me a little bit about your like kind of the evolution of your thinking, you said you've been thinking about this for three years. And obviously 
I would imagine your definition of what that even looks like has changed dramatically in the last three years. <laughs> oh, for everything. sure. And it's been percolating for a lot longer. So, you know, I was trained as a pastor in one of my parts of my career. And it was during that phase of time that I had one of my professors say, Phil, someday you're going to write books, not just a book, but books. Mm. And I laughed at him. Um, cause I, when I was in fifth grade, I gave myself a C in writing cause I knew I was terrible at writing. And then college, I had a professor call me out and say, you really need to take some writing classes cause you've got some good ideas, but you don't know how to communicate them. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm never going to be a writer, but so I laughed at him, but in 2015, some ideas started to percolate and it was 2017 where this idea hit me of, um, I'll, I'll can I, I'll tell the story real quick is sure. I was, I was at a conference called SEMA, Corporate Event Marketing Association, and some things gelled for me during that conference that had happened during the previous years. Two different stories percolated in my mind, and I, there was something in the event that caused it to spark, and I don't remember what happened in the event, and that's what happens, right, at our events. Like, if we create space, um, big ideas can happen, and that's, yeah. what I, that's what I want to do for others, but two stories. One was in the 90s. I was in Oregon and I saw this amazing sunset where it felt like it lasted forever, probably lasted for 20 or 25 minutes, which is really long. And it was one of the most incredible, probably the most incredible that I remember. And I remember dancing and I'm not a dancer because mm -hmm. it was so splendid. No one was watching me. I was on the beach. No one was around. And so I, that story stuck in my brain. Like it was an unexpected, unplanned for moment of beauty and kind of transcendence, if you will. And then this other story was when I was in, it was about 2006, I saw this musical called Sweet Charity, which is a lesser Broadway musical. Some know it. It's also been a movie. And there's a scene in there where this guy at the end, he's a businessman and he had been seeing this girl named Charity, who is a dancer in a risque um, um, club or whatever you want to call it. And he realizes that she is a better woman than he is a man. And he asks himself this question, can I be man enough for her to love me? Something along those lines. Mm. And it was like this really profound way he said it. And it's like the whole musical stopped for me right in that moment. Mm. And I said, wow, I want to create moments like that for others. That's what I want our conferences to be like, that there's space where big ideas that get you to stop in your tracks and ask the larger questions of life, the, the bigger questions to have space to ponder what's going on in an industry, if it's an industry event, or maybe it's your career, or maybe it is your marriage or whatever. But I want to create that sense. And part of my story was, is I'm a, I was a former worship pastor. I spent 25 years leading churches in worship. And that's obviously a part of what you're trying to do there is create transformational space for people to ask spiritual questions. Yeah. At conferences, we're trying to create space for all kinds of different questions. It might be spiritual. Um, it might not be, but it's definitely career-based, information-based, technology-based, whatever. But if your brain is constantly bombarded by different information and stimuli where you can't slow down enough to ask the deeper questions, to think about the deeper things, then it's not going to be any good. So that started the spark 2017. I said, someday there's a book in that idea. As I thought about it more, I realized that wasn't the big idea because you can't create time standing still. And that's what I called this idea. You can't actually make that happen. 
So I, so I stepped back and started thinking about, well, maybe it's more about creating unforgettable experiences where time standing still might happen. Um, yeah. But it still can be an amazing event if that kind of experience doesn't take place. Cause I feel like that's a little bit more of a unicorn um, might happen. You know, you just have to create the conditions for it. So 2019 is when I came under contract for the book and you all know what happened in 2020. <laughs> so I didn't think a book about events was going to be very relevant. So I put it on pause for about 18 months and then picked it back up. That's so interesting. It, it's funny, right? Cause we spend so much time talking about experience and thinking about it and planning for the experience we want our attendees to have, but both of the examples that you gave, and, and I have similar experiences in my own life that were so transformational really weren't anything that the organizers prepared for you. <laughs> you know, what people get out of an event often is what they need from it, what they happen to. And like you said, it's just about creating the right environment and giving enough space for these things to happen. Um, yeah, that's such a complex part of it is like, we can spend so many time, so much time thinking and planning and organizing <laughs> and it could be something totally unrelated. That is the lightning bolt for someone. So I, I had the chance to follow up with the artistic director for that musical. And I, mm. I interviewed him and I have not released the interview to this date because it has, hasn't been the right time. But I asked him, you know, did you try to create that specific moment? Because I, I drilled down yeah. that moment. He remembered, he told me the story better than I could tell it because he, you know, directed the show. And he said, well, no, I, I didn't try to make that happen. What I try to do as a director is I try to tell a really good story and leave space where, you know, there's 2000 people in the audience and they're all going to have a different moment where something hits them. It might just be a funny moment. It might be a tearful moment. It might be a poignant moment like the one that I described. Um, but he said, if I tell the story really well, then everyone can have their own moment and you might come back five times and have a, a moment at a different place in the musical each time you come. So he said, that's the power of telling the story well. But then there's this other thing and I'm, I'm gonna use another musical to, to tell this example. In 2019, my daughter and I went to see Hamilton in Oklahoma City. It was the touring version. And she had, she'd been listening to the soundtrack for a couple of years, I think, and she had it memorized. So we get down there and she's hyped. Everyone's hyped. Like the, the energy in that musical was nothing like any other musical I've ever been to, yeah. even though it was the touring version of it. And we get in there, you know, and they don't really do a lot before the show starts, like it's dead in the, in the auditorium. There's no music. There's no, even the, there's no, um, what do they call it? The overture. Um, mm -hmm. nothing. It just starts like the guy comes on stage. Well, you know, Hamilton comes on over the loudspeaker and makes his announcements about no cell phones and all that, which is kind of funny sure. that he's the one who does it. Um, but it's over the loudspeaker, but then they just come on and they start. Well, probably 15, 20 minutes in, there's this moment and not we're in the balcony couldn't afford anything more. And someone takes out their cell phone in the top balcony to our right. And they take a picture and the flash goes off. Uh -huh. And I am, I'm livid. I'm like, what, who, who, what, what, what's going on here? You know, and I assume it was a woman, but I don't know. So I'm now changing my story. It could have been a guy, could have been a woman. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but who was the imbecile who did that? You know, and my mm -hmm. mind is suddenly distracted and I watched and the actors didn't get distracted at all, but it lit up the entire half of the balcony where she was or he was. 
and it was distracting for a lot of other people. Uh, Michael Hyatt quotes research that says it takes at least 15 minutes for your brain to get refocused after you've been distracted. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, it took me five, which is incredible because of the power of the story that was being told, but I did get distracted. And that, that opened my eyes to the thing that we can control to a greater extent are the distractions. So we may not be able to create that moment where someone has an aha, where they have this transformational revelation or whatever, they reach this point of decision, but we can create a focused environment where distractions are at a minimum that we keep the AV you know, moving and it's, it's being done well. And we try to minimize mistakes and we are trying to prevent anything that's going to pull people away and instead going to cause people to lean in and want more. I think those are the things that we can control to some extent. Obviously people are making micro decisions, the entire event. Am I going to keep investing in this event or am I going to go check my cell phone, check in back at work? Am I going to go to the beach? If you're in San Diego, like they're making these little decisions constantly and you want to make it easy for them to say, Oh no, I can't miss this. I want this, this story, this event, this, what we're doing is so incredible. And I think the things that we do, and that's, you know, everything from color, it's everything from the way the people behave. I think the people are a big part of it, but it's the invitations that you're, you're making. And some of them are subtle and some of them are overt. You're just, you're inviting, keep investing, keep investing. This is worth it. This is worth it. You want what's here. And you're making space, whether they're introverted or extroverted, whether internal processors or external processors to get as much out of this as they can. Yeah. And I love the way that you're talking about this, because I think experience, again, is something that people spend so much time thinking about as its own standalone thing. Um, But especially over the last two years where event organizers have felt completely overwhelmed, like everything that they used to do really well is suddenly completely different. (laughs) And whether you're planning an in-person, a virtual or hybrid, I think one of the messages I'm learning from what you are saying is that an intense obsession with doing what you know already very well is critical. You know, those little details about, I remember doing a session once on experience and I talked about like registration, like it matters how easy it is for people to get into your event. Does it have to be electronic? Does it have whatever that looks like? Maybe it's an experience all its own, but the idea that, you know, people, everything that a person experiences at an event contributes to how they feel, which contributes to how invested they are in staying there either mentally or physically. Um, and it's probably, you know, it behooves planners to obsess on those little details that we're very good at actually, that can, really make or break an experience for an attendee in any format. Um, I, I know agree. that. Can I, can I, yeah, yeah, sure. Up on that too? sure. I think we as organizers have to do two things. One is yes, we need to pay attention to the details because the details are what separate us from everybody else. You know, like it's, it's really kind of easy to put on an event at one level. Like it's, yeah. you get a speaker, a few speakers, you get a venue you create an agenda, you put a marketing plea out there, you know, you, you know, you could, you could put on an event, you and I could put together a recipe for putting on an event. It wouldn't be that hard, but to create a great event means you're putting, you're paying attention to details. And I interviewed Lee Cockrell, who was COO at Disney 
at one point, I asked him about this. What's so different about Disney amusement parks from Universal or any of the others? And he said, it's, it's our collective attention to detail. We are learning at speed. Um, and I know you're, you've interviewed Jesse Cole and he's the same way, but they, he said, every employee is empowered to be paying attention to what's not working and bringing suggestions for how we can make it better so that we can improve at scale. And he said that what makes us different is our obsession over those details. So I agree with you on that point, but I want to put a caveat in is we as organizers can get focused on some of the details that may not matter to our customer. So sure. we've got to look at our event through the eyes of a customer and say, what do they care about? So, you know, registration is a great example. Yes, it should be an easy process. Like go up to a stall, whether it's an in-person, they're just going to hand you a pre-printed or you're going to a terminal and you're um, having to find your name and get it printed out on the spot or whatever that's like. It should be easy. It should be friendly, um, welcoming, depending on the vibe of the event, you know, and the, who the avatar is that might make a difference. I would argue that one of the worst moments, one of, one of the worst experiences at many events happens right after registration. I don't know if you agree with this, but I think that's, that's one of the most awkward moments. If you're going to an event <laughs> yeah. where you don't know anybody. So True. figure out how to make that less awkward and we make that a moment where they quickly move from feeling like they don't know anyone to feeling like they're part of the tribe. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. When I went to NAM, a National Association of Music Merchandisers, and I know one of the planners there, and that's a hundred thousand person event, huge, massive. And I went there and I didn't know anyone. Well, I, I, I had plans to meet people, but it was much later. So I went there. I had not really done a whole lot of preparation, which was stupid in retrospect because it's hundred thousand person event. It was complex. I think the, the recording or the event guide was 70 pages long. I get there, I get checked in, I walk through and then it's the, Oh no, now what, you yeah. know? So I, 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 I'm bold, you know, I'm an event guy. I walk in, I can figure this out <laughs> <laughs> after about an hour. I am worn out. And I don't know anyone. And I, I literally like, you know, their, their expo hall is the entire bottom of Anaheim convention center, you know, yeah. I don't know, 300, 400,000 square feet, something massive. Something small. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I just like, I'm like, I'm, I need to just take a nap. So I, I walk a mile to my hotel, which, you know, is counterintuitive <laughs> when you're tired yeah. and I take a nap and then I walk back and finally, I'm able to connect with somebody I, I know and the event changed, but it took four hours wow. from the when I checked in to the moment that I met up with somebody and then the event started changing. I got, got invited to do stuff and, you know, and then, was, then I realized how amazing the event was, but that four hours, you know, I could have not gone back. And I think that happens at events. So it's a long way of saying, I think that's one of the experiences and, and you, you know, those of you guys listening, you've got experiences that are in your event that you're not aware are those moments that people are making a choice. You know what? This is awkward. I'm, I'm out of here or I'm going to give them another try, but this isn't feeling so great. And if you can figure out where those places are and flip the switch. And I know that's like what Jesse does. You know, he takes what are the boring moments in a baseball game and says, how can we make this a memorable moment? 
I, I think we all can do the same thing in our events. Take those peak peak or those valley moments and turn them into peaks. Yeah. Yeah. We're both big fans of Jesse Cole from Savannah Bananas. He'll be uh, at Taxi Talk Global and Phil, we're finding a way for you to be there as well because you have so much great content. Um, it, it, it's interesting his perspective because he has done such great things with that baseball team. And he, one of his famous lines, of course, is it's not baseball, it's entertainment. And I've often wondered what the, um, what that means for business events, right? Like there is the experience part. I wish it was all fun, but we have a lot of things as an organizer that we need to accomplish, whether that's getting content out there, putting educational experiences out there for people to digest. Um, I mean, there's the kind of further extreme of that, of like continuing education credits. And then there's the sponsor piece. We have to get people to integrate with our sponsors. For a lot of people, that's a lifeblood of their revenue source for sure. Um, What are you seeing in the corporate event space related to experience that merges these things? I mean, we've talked, I've heard people talking about like Netflix style content. Is that realistic? Are you seeing people doing that? What do you think is the crossover for business events? Yeah, I think there's, there's several different directions. My mind goes with that one is we can be more entertaining. It doesn't need to go as far as Jesse's gone. We're not, we aren't in the entertainment business. We are in the education business, but there is this concept of edutainment. I think there are ways that learning can be fun. Again, you got to know your audience. You know, I want to make sure we talk some about that. Like get to know your avatar, who your event is for, because the feel of it's going to be very different. Um, In the early years, our, my main conference is social media marketing world. In the early years, I went to another event called traffic and conversion. And I went to that event and thought they're doing it all wrong. Like, you know, this isn't fun. This isn't, you know, this yeah. is, they should do this and they should do that. They should be more like us. As I've matured in my understanding of events, I realized actually, no, they're not. That event is very popular for their avatar. Their avatar right. is not our, our avatar. They're targeting male internet marketers. We are targeting female uh, marketers who work for another business. That's, those are two different people. And yeah. there's crossover because they're all in the digital space. And that was my confusion. So I think it's really important that you know your audience and what's going to be entertaining for them. Um, and entertainment is going to help keep it um you know, keep people engaged, I think, if you have the right kind of entertainment, but also your speakers can be entertaining. You know, it doesn't have to be boring content. But the other thing that I think is important is just the human aspect. So I think, um, you know, we're, so many people are video game fans these days, right? And yeah. So we, we hear this conversation about choose your own adventure Mm-hmm. And I think we as planners have to figure out how can we make our events more that more, not just a one size fits all or one size fits, you know, there's three options and that's it. But instead trying to anticipate the past people taking the video game and that, that is not going to be easy. And I feel like that's a conversation for a lot of us to come together and figure out what technology can help us do that. Um, you know, marketers do it with journey mapping, but I think in a, especially a large event where you've got so many different paths that people can take, it's not an easy thing to figure that out. Yeah. You can see the path from arrival to maybe making a marketing decision 
which is what many people do with that concept. But if you're really just trying to map out how do they have a great experience, um, it's not an easy thing, but I think it's important because, you know, the way I do it is I try to look at what are those places where the journey or they might, you know, or there might be a failure. They might be tempted to leave, check out mentally, physically. Um, there might be some failure on our part to deliver the service that they would expect. And how can we solve those things? And let's take the biggest ones. And that is part of planning their journey, but that's the expected journey, you know, and, but that's helping them continue to make a choice to stay engaged. And I think looking at the contours of your event to say, how can we make peak moments that shape this event that's going to make it something that they talk about and they say, wow, that, you know, that closing keynote was amazing or that lunch, you know, I was expecting just to, you know, go in and get some food and leave But the conversations that I had. And that's, that's another thing was, is I think human, human planned events have to focus on human connections. Like mm. people are not going to get on a plane to go to an event and I'm talking live events, obviously, um, virtual events, this is different in some respects, but if it's a live in-person event, you probably didn't go there, um, to just hide in a corner. Right. Cause in, we now know we don't have to do that. <laughs> if we're, if we're socially awkward and it's the contents available online, we're going to stay exactly. home and do it that way. Right. Yeah. So we went there because we want to meet these people. We want to try something out hands-on. We want to be able to deepen relationships or start relationships. So make that easy, figure out what, and that's, that's not technology. That's like, get your people, people yeah. <laughs> focused on that and uh, leverage that. Yeah. There's so much good stuff here. I'm glad that you're coming to Taxi Talk Global so that we can unpack well, more of this. That official. <laughs> yeah. We're making it official one way or the other. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll figure out the details. And obviously we haven't uh, announced anything yet. So this is a little sneak preview for people who get All to right. come and listen to the podcast. Um, but this is just, it's such a heavy topic. I feel like there's so many little ways we could drill down into this. Um, but for respect of your time, I cannot believe we're already like, 30 minutes into this interview. <laughs> I've gotten so many great nuggets though. So I appreciate you sharing some of this with us. And I'd love to drill down into more of this at the event. Um, before we wrap up though, is there anything else related to experience or even just about your career that you really want people to know or to think about that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Yeah, I'm going to do something before we're done that will yeah. introduce the idea of what I'm going to say here. Um, so while you're talking the next time, I'm going to go grab something, but um, get to know your staff and your superpowers. So, you know, we said earlier that it's not hard to put on an event, but what makes your event different from anybody else's events is you and your team. Like the yeah. people on your team are going to be what makes it different. So, you know, if you took a you know, hundred event planners coming to your event, and you gave them all the same mission, put on an event that's on this topic. I would expect all 100 events to be different from each other, even though you'll find some things that are similar. If, if people are doing what I'm going to say now, they should be very uniquely different. And that is because you're leaning into your strengths. I'll say superpower, but that's an overused statement. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but lean into who you are. You know, I can't go do what Jesse Cole does with the Savannah Bananas. Right. Um, but I, if, and I never would own a baseball team, 
but I can make an event unique because of who I am. And one of the things that I do is we have a theme song that we write every year. And the conference that we're getting ready to do in October, I just got through with a songwriting session a couple of days ago with three Nashville songwriters um, who are writing the song and I was contributing to it. And, mm. you know, it will be performed at the conference. That's not something most events do. We usually have live music. Um, actually, we always have live music. Sometimes it's with DJs um, in addition to, but that's like, because I am a live musician. I'm a jazz saxophonist in addition to being a worship pastor. And I love live music, but I also know that there's something about live music versus canned that makes the event feel more organic. Hmm. I was talking though to, I don't know if you're familiar with song division. It's a, yeah. Yeah. They're great. Oh, I don't know. Have they been to your event? They have. Yes. Okay. Then I don't need to rehearse what they do, but they take that to another level with participation in music, you know? So having live music is better than having canned music, having audience participation, getting them engaged and involved is even better. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, but knowing what your superpowers are and not being afraid of that, like, and it's easy for me to think, Oh, I'm forcing who I am onto the event, but I've got a CEO who says, no, that's what makes our conference unique. I don't, I want you to do more of that, not less of it. That's why my job title changed from director of events to director of experience. Cause he said, I want you focused on creating those experiences that only you can bring to the event. And, you know, those of you listening know what those things are and get buy-in from your buy-in from your leadership to uh, do more of that. Yeah. That's so important. And I think that's um, what a lot of brands struggle to do. You know, it's easy for me as like, Liz King events, taxi talk to make the events feel like me. Um, but you know, larger companies are constantly struggling with that human to human connection. And I think it is about giving, whether it's, you know, your whole team or the leaders of your events or whoever it is, the, the humans behind your brand, the space to be themselves and to create a space that they would feel comfortable in. And in doing that, it's just much easier to design impactful events when you have some insight into what you might want that event to look like. Um, and so that's, that's just a really good point. I'm glad that you brought that up before we wrapped up this yeah. call. No, absolutely. And here's, here's going to be my gift to you, Liz. Um, I want you to tell me a couple, I want you to answer a couple of questions. Okay. When you think about an event that you're planning, what color pops into your brain? Uh, pink, <laughs> neon pink. <laughs> neon pink. All right. And when you think about a food that's related to your event, what food would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, see, I'm a foodie. So, like, now you're getting me to think about all okay. kinds. For this event, I would say, um, it makes me think of noodles for some reason, but that's probably just because it's my favorite food. <laughs> and are we thinking Asian noodles or yes, yeah, noodles? Asian noodles, spicy or not spicy? Definitely spicy. All right, so hot pink spicy noodles. <laughs> All right, and what is um, a drink that would be like one that you would create for this event or make sure to have available? Some kind of. Um, Fancy Mai Tai fruity cocktail. All right. So here is Liz King's event. You didn't even know this was coming. No, I did not.
My gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I had not warmed up before I did it. So the first couple of days were a little raw, but uh, yeah, that's, wow. that's like something I love doing is creating an experience within the event that's unexpected, that's only for that moment, you know, and that that song will never be repeated. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not, but I've tried to like taste what you said and, you know, re reflect. Yeah. Back. So maybe you tasted it, maybe you didn't, but you know, that, that's did. just, I only did that as a model for figure out what your strengths are and then how can you bring that into the event and make it a unique experience that others will love, you know, not just that you will love. In fact, maybe it's not what you would love, but you know that your audience is going to love it. Yeah. No, you, uh, this is like the first time we've been audio only on the podcast that I very much regret it because there's a big smile on my face, which you can't see. <laughs> and I think those unique experiences, I mean, this is definitely not something that we planned, um, but being able to inject some of your personality has made this podcast so great. But then, you know, when you think about what that could do for an event and all the different ways that you could do that using your team's different strengths and interests. And again, obviously focused on what your attendees really want and hoping that those two things align up really well. Um, yeah, you, you've taught me a lot about event experience in the last 30 plus minutes. So thank you so much for your time. Well, it's been a great conversation. I've loved it. And, you know, I learn every time I do this too. So thank you. And now if people want to learn more about you, connect with you directly, I mean, obviously we're going to, uh, be able to do that through Taxi Talk Global, but how else would you want them to reach out to you? You know, I'm on all, all the main socials. Uh, LinkedIn okay. is probably the best for this audience, but I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. I am on TikTok, but I'm just getting started there. So I don't recommend there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's lots of saxophone playing on there. Well, that's actually predominantly what's on there, but it's only like six videos. So it's, there's not nice. a lot. So. Now's the time to join because then we'll see the evolution of what you end up doing there, which is fun. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to do more things like what I just did is actually what I really want. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and I feel like, you know, separately, we need a whole other podcast because I know you have a Facebook group that I'm part of, which I think is called Faith First Digital Marketers. Is that correct? The name? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would love to talk more about that. And um, in the meantime, at least I've name dropped it so people can go find it if they're interested in that as well. You do some great videos on there and, and discussions. So yeah. um, that's a group that's going to be putting on its own event later this year with our friend Ramon Ray. Um, ah. So Nice. I'll share more about that when it becomes available. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover between the work that you're doing and the work that we've been doing. And it's, it's nice to find those, like now we're actually directly connected. I'm like, Oh, you're working. <laughs> Ramon's a client of ours and he works with you. And you know, there's so many uh, good people in this space that are overlapping, which is really nice. Yeah. Very cool. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for all the nuggets that you've shared with us. Can't wait to hear more. Um, and thank you, of course, to our audience for listening every week so faithfully and um, participating and sharing your thoughts as well. Uh, really enjoyed this episode. So thank you for your time, Phil. My pleasure. All right, folks, we will see you next week for another episode of the Event Hustler Show. Until then, hustle hard, keep inspiring, keep tapping into those things that make you who you are and make your audience feel like they are at home. And uh, we'll see you next week.